0: Hello there, everybody, and welcome to h On The Air. This is our third podcast in our new series of h Pack Engineering Magazine's On The Air interviews with thought leaders and, um, and other newsmakers throughout our industry. Um, our guest this month is Scott Lynch, president and CEO of the American Boiler Manufacturers Association based in Vienna, Virginia. Scott has served in that role since June of 2014. So Scott, welcome to h On The Air. Thanks for having me. Most thrilled to have you here, and, and uh, Scott, let's let's just open up a little bit. I guess if if you give us and our listeners just a little bit of an overview of ABMA's programs and and services.
1: Well, uh, you may not know this, but ABMA was founded in 1888. Goodness. We are yeah, we are the longest <laughs> continuous trade association in the country. Uh, I didn't do that research. A board member did that research, but um, but yes, it's true and you know, we were brought together as an industry um, due to the safety of boilers, you know, during the industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. And I joke with people and say that we continue, safety is still, you know, at the core of what we do. Um, All of our focus on, you know, it might be, it might sound like it's energy efficiency, uh, or that, you know, technology changes are focused on internet of things or whatever those topics are. But in the end, we are trying to to build the most safe and efficient boilers in our industry, and the organization has focused on facilitating that, bringing the industry together to tackle issues related to boiler issues, dealing with codes and standards, um, as well as bringing them together uh, for meetings and events, which are a little different today than they maybe maybe were a year ago. And we can get to that uh, to to address the issues that that are that our industry is dealing with and. Some of those issues today uh, focus on workforce development and finding the right people. It's focused on building the leadership within our organization. And it's also focused on the ever-changing world of the boiler industry and that what the boiler industry looked like 20 years ago is not the same as what it looks like today or, or maybe in 20 years. And our our focus is to continue to evolve with our members and ensure that the services and products that we offer our members through our meetings, events, publications are relevant to their needs.
0: Okay, and how many members do do you have now in ABMA?
1: We have about 110 members right now. And so those members break down to the uh, main manufacturer members uh, and the large components. So you're talking about the burners, the boiler itself Uh, And the larger components and then the suppliers to to the industry, which if you go into any boiler room and look around, there's a many, many different uh, manufacturers are in that room. Mm -hmm. A boiler project is takes 10, 15, 20 companies to come together. And all those components that are in that boiler room are also members of the organization.
0: And this is also coast to coast, would you say, or or all over the uh, all over the U.S.?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, We, you know, we stretch all over. And then I would say of of our membership, we probably have about 10 percent of our members that are also in Canada. Uh, We have a few in Mexico and then we have one uh, one or two in the U.K. and Europe. Uh, But mostly the members are there because of the the, the U.S. market.
0: Okay. well, uh, as you alluded to um, moments ago, you said that this last year, I guess, has just been extraordinary. Uh, by any measure, so uh, maybe just speak a little bit more about how the pandemic has uh, has affected the organization and uh, and the work of some of your members.
1: Well, yeah, it, it's significant. Uh, you know our our fiscal year actually begins May first, so it's upcoming. And uh, you can imagine when you uh, have a pandemic hit in March and your fiscal year is two months later, it's a really interesting budgeting process let's put it that <laughs> way. We had a lot of versions of the budget over those over those first couple <laughs> of months. And it was just trying to feel out what it was. But I will say initially, um, the most important thing was that our members stayed in business. Uh, Mm -hmm. We worked with the National Association of Manufacturers and had uh, business letters that were created through NAM and through us to our members to say that the boiler industry is a critical manufacturing part of the manufacturing sector and has to continue even during times of a global pandemic. And uh, our members have told us that, that a number of our letters got to uh, governors and uh, members of Congress and kept them in business where they would have had to shut down. Um, and uh, and that that was a challenge for them. The other challenge was to remain safe during the pandemic. And they had to kind of evolve just like any other company would have to evolve in terms of figuring out how to operate. What mm-hmm. if somebody gets covid? How do they how do they handle it? And um, I would say that based on the feedback that we received, um, our members took it on as a challenge to both be safe and to continue to to manufacture product and serve the end user community. So it was really it was really a challenge in the beginning for them. And uh, you know, we helped facilitate that. We also created a coronavirus resource center, where as things were coming out of the government and things were coming out of the NAM and other places, we were sharing them directly with them as far as how to access ppp dollars you know what what's available what's not you know what's in what's out you know those mm-hmm. kind of questions to help them um but i can tell you that uh that trying to figure out how to how to host a meeting in in a mm-hmm. covid environment was definitely a challenge that 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 we had to overcome
0: sure and and one of those major meetings i guess was uh you had initially had the uh I guess boiler 2021 was going to be the, the focus of, of, of this year, I guess it was, 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 was yep. wait, was, was it was originally boiler 2020 or boiler Twenty?
1: No, it was originally boiler 2021. You're right. Yeah. Okay. And that was so, going to be uh,
0: October of this year, right?
1: The one thing I did learn though, was um, in the future, I'm not going to name an event based <laughs> on the year that I propose it okay. because I have uh here, I'll show you a picture. You're not going to be able to see it, but this is a nice uh, uh, cup here that says boiler 2021 on that. I, crossed out 21 and put right, in 2 right. so there was a lot of material that was created for for an event that, that actually is not going to take place now in 21 so and that
0: cross out is on the website though right so now it's it 22 right?
1: it is because we wanted to make sure that people understood mm-hmm. the evolution of that so
0: uh well i guess would you just uh, tell us a little bit more about boiler 2022 and what it what it's evolved to be and yeah, what its going to be
1: so I think it is it is pretty much the same as what we envisioned it to be, but we announced this, um, as as you may remember, in January of 2020 and uh, had huge momentum coming out of a, our, our annual meeting. We had record attendance at that event. We had broken a whole bunch of records. We had brought in a whole bunch of new members and there was a, a lot of excitement and then March hit. Um, and we actually, I would say, shifted really quickly. We looked at the landscape after a couple of months and realized, if we're going to do this as an inaugural event, it it can't be during a pandemic or even coming out of a pandemic. So we worked with our partners, which was the Hyatt Regency Dallas and pushed it from October 21 till April of 22. And that's where it is now. And we think that we're well positioned um, to to have an opportunity to address a, a huge need out there because what we're hearing from members and end users is that they've held back on doing a lot of projects because of the pandemic, you know, pressure on financials and um, and just not wanting to have people there. We think April of 22 and in the, in the beginning of 22 is when things are really going to start opening up. and Everybody's going to realize that we've got to do something with our boilers. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have an opportunity here to engage those engage end users and say, look, We're going to have an event where all the leading manufacturers are going to be in one place, right? You can talk to all them. And then in addition, we're going to be doing tours of manufacturing facilities, boiler manufacturing facilities, and end-user facilities that are best in class. So they're going to come, they're going to see a best-in-class boiler room, one maybe on the industrial side, maybe on the institutional side, like a hospital um, or a campus, college campus. And then maybe something on the other side that's more of a manufacturing facility. Um, that maybe is a paint facility or food processing, and then have uh, educational sessions and con- con- concurrent sessions that are focused on the trends in decarbonization, trends in bo- and energy efficiency that will help them understand what today's technology is and how they can take advantage of it.
0: And speaking of that technology, also just our, just as far as presentation and 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 uh, and shows are concerned, I guess will there be a I guess a hybrid option for, for a number of these presentations or even virtual tours or, or is that part of it or, or?
1: Yeah, so we're still trying to figure that out. Um, and uh. I think what we're gonna do, just like we've done with all of our events, we had uh, our annual meeting was scheduled uh, for January of this past year. And we started as a hybrid event and then converted to a virtual event because of what was going on with the times and i think that's that's our goal here is to do the same thing so we will right now we're planning it to be a face-to-face you know um a pretty much normal event um mm-hmm. if we get to the end of 21 and realize that in order to engage some people we may have to look at it differently we'll definitely do that and we shifted on the fly a number of times for the annual right. meeting and uh, and had and had great success with the virtual event mm-hmm. obviously You know, for a trade show, that's probably not the best way to go, but we think that we can adapt and still meet the needs of the of the boiler supply chain. And keep in mind, the reason why this was created was because there is no event for the boiler supply chain. There's a lot of events that include boilers where we're a small component of that activity, but the education opportunities and the tours are not related to to our industry And we thought if an end user really wants to understand or a consultant or somebody at an EPC firm, somebody who's consulting with an end user wants to really know what's going on, they can come for two days and really get a lot of information out of it.
0: And we are talking about a year from this month, right? For that's right. April 20- 2022. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're just hoping a lot of other
1: shows start in the fall and, <laughs> right. uh, and kind of set a, set a pace and precedent for us. Uh, mm-hmm. And we think that's really what's going to happen at this point. I, I'm pretty confident that shows like Fabtech and others that are September, October, November are going to be going off. They may have smaller attendance, but I mm-hmm. think they're going to show a path forward for an event like, you know, post COVID.
0: And there is a, I'm trying to think the the event you you do have one in the middle of this year. Right. Is that? Your, yes. That, that's yes. In June. Is that, that's in and June.
1: That's- and, and we're doing that as a hybrid event. Um, okay. But, you know, the difference is, is that that's only uh, seventy five to one hundred people bringing together. So, okay, okay. so it's a much different conversation to bring right. seventy five people together and space them out and do a lot of outdoor activities versus getting a thousand people together for a sure. larger event.
0: And actually, things might be very different in June. The pace of vaccinations has been the rollout's been uh, incredible so far, it seems like this spring.
1: It has Um, been. And I I do think that both in terms of health wise, but in terms of financial and uh, business outlook, mm -hmm. you know, it is changing and people are seeing a, a seeing seeing a turn here. And so so. Our members are saying it to us. They're saying that they're starting to see some stuff pick up. Some stuff that was delayed earlier in the year is now getting, what was happening to our members is, is that a project that was supposed to happen in July of last year was pushed off till October. And then when it got to September, they pushed it off till December. You know, it just kind of mm-hmm. kept going mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But they're starting to see those jobs that have now been delayed are, are getting green lit and, get and moving forward. So, well, that's, that's so there's some progress there.
0: Well, here I'll, I'll talk about another emphasis that 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 I see ABMA. I'm also uh, pushing. I guess you're looking to engage more with the hydronic sector and the boiler industry. I think in the coming year, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, about that effort?
1: Yeah. So so that's an that's one of those things where an industry evolves and you have to keep up with it. Um, the the one thing that I hear from the members and some of the uh, uh, the members in the middle probably aren't aren't thrilled to hear about this, but you know the the larger company the company they're making larger boilers are adapting and making smaller boilers now to meet the needs of 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 people uh, of end users who who are interested in a smaller footprint maybe uh duplicative boilers instead of having one giant one but on the other end the when you have the smaller um smaller boilers that are residential slash commercial those were more residential boilers and now they're going more into the commercial sector and they're and they're growing their um, their their footprint. So where they, they may have just been very light commercial, now they're really into the commercial sector and even maybe into light industrial sector. So our, our members were telling us, especially the end use, um, especially the um, the component guys were saying, you know, these companies are now more boiler manufacturers than they are just residential companies. And we talked to them and they kind of agreed. You know, they said, you know, we 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 have evolved and you know, who we were serving 15 years ago is not the same as who we're serving today. And you guys are are a fit for us in terms of that. So it was really a conversation internally that was like these hydronics companies are now selling to the companies that we're competing with and we're competing for ABMA, just to step back for a second, traditionally is not a residential organization. We've always been commercial, industrial, uh, and all the way up to, uh, to utility and power. Um, and so there's always been an AHRI, which is which is the um, Air Conditioning he- Heating and Refrigeration Institute. They've been more on the residential and like commercial side, and they have a lot of the carriers of the world and on that side of it. Mm-hmm. So there's always been a little bit of overlap, but but there was a, I think there was a desire from the hydronics companies to have more of a boiler conversation. And so uh, we we opened up the, so we started with a focus group and then opened up the to a creating a brand new product group in January on the hydronic sector. And we already have, I think 14 companies, some that were already in, internal and some that have joined that are on that hydronics group. And we have an additional five to six that are interested in engaging with us. Mm-hmm. So it's been a really great thing, and uh, some of these companies are, are are large players in the marketplace. Lock and Bar recently joined, Meztec recently joined. These are these are legitimate players, l- large players in the marketplace that are not only manufacturing hydronics but other parts of the boiler uh, su- um, supply chain, and um, they've jumped right in and have become a key member. And uh, Lars Heating, uh, who has been a longer term member um rich rich simons is now on the board of directors and so we wanted to make sure that they had representation cleaver brooks has been on for a long time but you know they they make every product so so mm-hmm. it's not they're not just in that sector but they
0: even make socks i think I've got i think i think I think, they, I think i have
1: <laughs> a pair of cleaver brooks I think socks. I do too. Yes. yeah i do um but uh but I, I it's been a great it's been great because of two things one is because i think that they 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 meld really well, Mm -hmm. but they've also brought a level of enthusiasm um, to the organization as a new member and as a new group that has kind of spilled out to the other groups to say, you know, we, 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 you know, let's Let's look creatively at what we're doing as well, and see what where we can a- enhance the organization.
0: So I would assume, I guess, there are going to be a few hydronics uh, presentations in June, and and or at the, the the big event a year from now as well. There
1: definitely will be. So the hydronics group will be will be presenting for the first time in June, and they will be a a large component of our of the event that takes place in in uh April of next year. Yes.
0: Okay. Well, you mentioned uh, safety before, and innovation and technology certainly is run through all of it. Um, just continuing themes through through every segment, I guess. But um, now, since you, you took over the, the reins at ABMA, I guess seven years or so ago, what uh, and I think you were new to the industry, I believe, at that time. I was, yes, yep. So what would you say? What's impressed you the most about this industry, and and maybe what surprised you the most about uh, uh, the boiler industry?
1: Well. I I I, always, I like to tell this story that, um you know, when I did the uh, road show, when I first started, you know, I had to get out there, of course, visit all the board members. And then when I was in an area, I, I would go to that board member. But then if there were other members there, I would also visit them as well. And just to kind of really get my, you know, get my hands on them, see the boilers, understand the sector. And the one thing that blew my mind is something that I talked about a little earlier in the in the uh, in the podcast was just how difficult it is to pull these projects together and how long they take and how many partners come into that into each project. You know, I was talking with a couple of members they are like, yeah, we could work six to nine months on a project in terms of back and forth. Like we may know we got it within a couple of months, but, you know, just the The each of the components and making sure that we're hitting the mark for them. We'll go visit them to see what their what their current product is and where the upgrades are meeting the energy efficiency. So um, the one thing that really, um, really was surprising to me is just, you know, how important it is that that all these companies work together and they understand each other's products and they know, okay I have this burner. How is this burner going to work with this boiler and this system and this control system and that um, that and in a number of cases, you know, I've got seven, eight, nine companies working together on one project that takes a couple years to do. And um, but they but they work together so well and they all have their people that they know that they can call on to get it done. And um, and just to segue to the covid issue, um, I was amazed at the resiliency of our members in order to to keep going, you know, that that they there were some that had to uh that that had to go skeleton staff they had to reconfigure they had to change some stuff in the manufacturing footprint uh you know there was less people maybe on the floor they weren't pushing as many many boilers through but they also weren't as busy uh but you know they 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 never shut the lights off and i would you know and they and they pushed through and I think in some cases, some companies said, hey, you know, we're just, we're not going to be able to get through this. And I think our members said, you know, well, that's not who we are, you know, and we're in our DNA. I mean, you really think about the boiler, my boiler companies and the boiler industry, they're they're problem solvers, right? That's what Mm -hmm. they're doing. They're taking a problem that an end user has and they're figuring out a solution. And uh, in this case, they had a problem that they had to figure out. Now, I will say that, you know there were some boilers i think that were sitting on lots for a little while because they couldn't go anywhere because they couldn't get right. delivered and they had to figure out uh how to get around that um and or how to how to work within the protocols to get something delivered and get it installed because that was the other issue the other issue was the boiler would get done it could get delivered but then the installation was on, was on hold, and some of that stuff had to do with inspectors as well, because the boiler had to be inspected before it came online, and some of the states were were um, uh, controlling the inspections in a different way, and they weren't going as fast. So there was a whole lot that had to go with that. But um, but yeah, I was I was really impressed with with how our members kind of took it on as a challenge and and tried to figure out a solution and working with end users to say. What do you need from us and how can we help you?
0: I hadn't thought about that before, but how did it, has it how has it affected the uh, the warranty issues or the warranties on the, the products? I mean, was it just, were they extended or, or, um, has that been a factor at all in yeah. any of this? Uh,
1: I don't think that's been a factor. I do think that there has been, um, on the, On certifications, like for boilers on the inspection side, there has been some waivers that have been done, or there's been a, I know that some are doing like remote inspections initially. I think now all inspections are back on and that they are inspecting them, you know, with protocols in place in person. I think it was more about startups than anything else because the, because, you know, sending out an email to an end user saying that you're your certification for the boiler is now extended three months and we'll get to you is one mm-hmm. thing, but you know, you can't start up a boiler without it being certified. Um, and so that did delay some, you know, some boilers coming online, but within mm-hmm. a couple of months, uh, you know, they, they, they had addressed that. Uh, th- that's one thing that we did though with our members and we talked to the national board and the national board created a, uh, a, a spreadsheet database for us. That our member could go in and check mm-hmm. each state and see what the guidelines were for each state and how they were evolving, so that they would know when a boiler was coming offline to go to, or coming offline for manufacturing, mm-hmm. they would know what the current protocols were to help the end user work through those issues.
0: Just trying to think with with the overall membership. When you talk about the resiliency, have any members had to, to drop out or anybody? uh i guess close up so, shop throughout the year or yeah or? so the, so
1: it's a great question and and like i said before we had to uh budget right right as covid hit right and we did a doomsday scenario <laughs> i mean it was really like like i pretty much said to the board if we really hit this you know we're in big trouble um and uh but And the one thing we did do was we looked at downturns previously and kind of Mm -hmm. use that as a guide. So the initial proposal from one of the board members was even worse than what we went with. And I said, look, I said, I looked at the last three recessions uh, uh, and we didn't come close to losing this many members. And he's like, "Okay, well, let's let's go with this. And so we we uh, expected a net loss of 13 members. Mm -hmm. We ended this past year with a net gain of two. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so completely turned it around. Uh, And some of that had to do with the hydronics guys coming in. But I think the other thing was, is that, you know, our board really stepped up and said, Mm -hmm. when do you need a trade association? You don't need a trade association in the bad times. You need a Mm -hmm. trade association in the good, in the, you need a trade association in the bad times when you need them as much support as possible to help you through it. And we really shifted our focus and really tried to say, you know, we didn't even do our summer meeting. I know we didn't talk about this, but our June meeting was canceled completely. Right. We heard from okay. our members that I was like, you know, you want to do a virtual thing. They're like, look, we're drinking from a fire hose right now, trying to just figure out how to operate, take a step back, keep giving us resources, you know, keep, we had some webinars on, on you know on navigating the challenges we had some webinars on the economy that was trying to help people kind of work through it but we kind of took a step back and said look we're not gonna force a meeting you guys do what you need to do we'll focus on january um and i mean there was probably a couple arm twisting situations on the membership but we also gave members more time to pay we and we we allowed them to pay twice a year versus once a year so we did some flexibility uh, i would say about maybe 10 to 15% of our members took us up on the on the you know the different kind of pay options uh-huh. but in the end uh you know we did have a couple of people drop um but we we weathered through it and like i said we 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 netted members for the year in a covid year which i think is a huge uh, accomplishment
0: oh that does it is extraordinary and actually it just occurs to me too with the uh, the longevity of the uh of the association, you're one of the few associations that can, c- could compare your performance in this pandemic to the pandemic in 1918.
1: Yeah, I actually, I didn't go back that far, but maybe I should check that yeah, out. That would you, be really you interesting. You might want to
0: see what, what happened in 19, yeah. 20 or so, because that was, uh, I would imagine that was wild as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, speaking of that though, I I saw a really cool photo that was around social media and it was a photo of a, um, of a college football game uh, from, from the pandemic times. And there were people wearing masks in the stands.
0: Oh, I've seen, yeah. I, I've seen a baseball, fo- I'm trying to think if the batter had a mask on too. Yeah. In that time. But, uh, yeah. Um, and it was yeah. just
1: really weird to see that. Cause you're like, wow, this was, you know, over a hundred years ago, they had masks on, they were in the stands and they were, th- th- and the photo that I saw, it looked like they were social distance, but it's, uh, yeah. it was still pretty wild to see something like that.
0: Oh yeah. The, the history there is, is incredible. Um, and it, in Chicago, it lends new, a new dimension to the 1919 black Sox. So we'll yeah, to, uh,
1: that's right. That's
0: right. How that played out. Yep. But all right. Well, Scott, I, I, pre, I guess just kind of maybe in wrapping up here, I, I, I think we could talk all day, but, uh, it occurs to me that the, the next generations has been an important focus as well, since you've been there. I know we've written on it a little bit Yep. Um, on our pages as well but uh and i believe just this month you you uh you released the uh or at least the started saying that you're accepting applications for the Randy Rawson uh scholarship program again. Yep. Yeah. So yep. could you talk a little bit about that program and maybe just about the next generation outreach of the boiler industry in general.
1: Yeah, so uh so i'll let me just mention Randy for a second. So Randy Rawson was my predecessor and he was uh with the organization for over 25 years and Really passionate. He actually started the scholarship, Honestly, it wasn't in his name at that time. But uh, we were trying to figure out a way to recognize him when uh, he passed. Actually, um, when I took over, um, and we named the scholarship after him, and and uh, it's it's been it's one of his legacies. So we were we were thrilled to do that. Um, and we offer this to to uh, technical students um, in the area of engineering, uh, welding, any sort of technical uh, uh, aspect that would go towards the boiler industry, and we feel it's our duty and you know and you know it trying to kind of dispel the myth of what a what a boiler engineer does or what a welder does and how uh and how how great of a career it can be to to work in one of our companies and And what's really been cool recently is we had a couple of people that 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 got our scholarship and are now working in the boiler industry. It was like, oh, my God, this thing like actually (laughs) maybe worked, you know, and uh, and it was really, really cool to see that. Um, But uh, students who are undergrads um, who are in a program, a technical program can apply for the scholarship they either can be like a, uh, you know, related to somebody who works in one of our companies or sponsored by one of our companies. So we have a, we have one company um, that's in Texas that uh, that's I think his wife teaches at um, at, a, at a school. And so she posts it and then they sponsor that individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but we followed some kids through their career and gave them like a uh, contribution each year. And then they graduate and we find out what they're working on. And so So it's been a really cool opportunity. We've given out over $200,000 in in scholarship dollars since inception, and we give about 10 to 15 scholarships each year to students. Um, And the nice thing is, is that, well, I convinced them to send me updates, you know, and say, you know, hey, if you want to apply again, I'd like an update on what you're doing. And Mm -hmm. we hear some great stories of, uh, of, um, opportunities for internships with our companies some of the projects that they're working on and and as an undergrad it just blows your mind i mean they're working Mm -hmm. on these really technical projects related to to oxygen in the boiler room and hydrogen and other things related to you know uh, the offsets of of what's coming out of the burners and and these Mm -hmm. are just uh, undergraduate college students and and the one i will say um um i i won't say his name but uh the one cool thing was that he from the scholarship he was motivated to help other students at his school find internships and kind of created like a like a a group at his school that was helping other engineers find internships and it was based on the fact of abma scholarship and his internship experience with abma
0: so that's very nice that's gotta be rewarding too are there members of of uh uh and uh randy's family i guess that that would be aware of that as well or oh
1: yeah yeah so yeah we we've we've shared some of the updates with them as well so i think that they've that they really enjoyed that being a part of that and and having that be recognized.
0: And how many years has it been going now
1: oh i i'm trying to think i'm thinking like maybe 15 years oh okay yeah yeah so and so maybe to 10 to 15 years the other thing is that we have um uh two golf tournaments uh, nationwide does a golf tournament nationwide boiler uh out in mm-hmm. pebble beach every year and um superior boiler also does a golf tournament and uh we benefit from both of those tournaments so they raise money and then the money goes directly to the scholarship so that's helped us kind of continue to um to support the students
0: oh well very good and god thank you for your time here sure uh this afternoon and uh um, no, it sounds like good things are, are happening, and, and, and the mood is it seems good overall in the industry in, in general as well for, for boilers, hydronics, and, uh, um, and much of the construction industry here. So I appreciate your time. Um, anything else you want to want to say about uh, ABMA's year ahead? I guess as, as we uh, conclude. Uh,
1: Right now, we're just ramping up for the for the for the big show and, uh, you know, and starting to uh, really pull things together. We have an advisory committee made up of members that's really helping to guide uh, Mm -hmm. our decisions on the sessions and topics, you know, tours. And uh, I would say I I will say that that registration for for end users will be launched sometime this fall. So if an end user is listening to this. They can go to boiler2022.com or abma.com to get more information, sign up for updates. Um, uh, we're, right now, we're starting the exhibitor process, but registration will be out probably September, October timeframe. Okay.
0: Now, I understand you're starting the second year of your own podcast series at the uh, ABMA, right? We are.
1: About- we are. And we're going to share this podcast, actually, as a cross podcast with <laughs> h with, with Uh, But we have a couple of uh, new uh, topics lined up for that one. Uh, During the COVID period, we kind of went on hiatus as we were focused Mm -hmm. in a couple of different other areas, but we'll be launching that. That's called Inside the Boiler Room, and you can get that on Apple and all other podcasts. I think there's 15 episodes currently up there. Much of it is evergreen, you know, information Mm -hmm. on the, uh, and, and we focus on the installation, maintenance and operation of the boilers, of the boiler room, so.
0: Well, happy to get that restarted for you, and uh, happy to have you as part of ours. This is just the third in our our uh, new series of H on the air, and and uh, uh, hopefully, folks will will check that out online as well through Apple and and, uh, and Podbean, and and uh, just go to hpack.com and, and uh, see the rest of our our series as it grows. And hopefully, we'll have Scott back again before Boiler twenty twenty two. That might be might be nice to talk at the end of the year about how things are shaping up, or the beginning of next year, right before. Uh, but uh, again, thank you very much for your time here, Scott. Hope to talk with you again soon. And, and thanks again for everybody for, for listening in. So take thank care. Thank you.